O most kind, beloved Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity, Lord, to come before thy throne of grace. Lord, we ask that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. We pray for the outpouring of the early, the latter rain upon your people. Father, we ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness and create in us clean hearts and renew a right spirit in us in these last days, Lord. As we look to heaven and the work of the atonement in heaven, we're asking, Father, that your word would come to light and that your people would hear your still small voice. Please hide me again behind the cross of Calvary. May every word be spoken, be in spirit and in truth, and may your word uh, settle in each mind and each heart this day. Bless your word. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. The name of the message for this evening is Our Duty in the Day of Atonement. We're going to start in the book of Leviticus 23 and verse 26 through 32. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement, it shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God, for whatsoever soul if it that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever so it be that doeth any work in that same day among his people, ye shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest. And ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even, from even unto even, shall you celebrate your Sabbath. When the Day of Atonement came, there were special requirements to meet during that day, which, if they failed to observe, they were cut off from God's people. God requires now, as He did then, special service of His people, Four things were required of each individual member of Israel on the Day of Atonement, the period in which the work of atonement was performed. Number one, the Day of Atonement shall be a convocation unto you. Number two, ye shall afflict your souls. Number three, offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And number four, ye shall do no work in that same day. The Day of Atonement shall be in holy convocation unto you. Convocation, an act of calling or assembling by summons in, the, in Webster's Dictionary. Although God dwells not in temples made with hands, yet He honors with His presence the assemblies of His people. He has promised 
that when they come together to seek him, to acknowledge their sins, and to pray for one another, he will meet with them by his Spirit. But those who assemble to worship him should put away every evil thing. Unless they worship him in spirit and in truth, and in the beauty of holiness, their coming together will be of no avail. Of such the Lord declares, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. Those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. John 4, verse 23. When two or three are met together to unite their counsel and to send up their petitions, the promise is for them. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? The Lord has promised that where two or three are met together in his name, there will be, there will he be in the midst. Those who meet together for prayer will receive an unction from the Holy One. There is great need of secret prayer, but there is also need that several Christians meet together and unite with earnestness their petitions to God. In these small companies, Jesus is present. The love of souls is deepened in the heart, and the Spirit puts forth its mighty energies that human agents may be exercised in regard to saving those who are lost. Jesus ever sought to show how worthless are formal ceremonies and strove to impress upon his disciples that the Holy Spirit must enlighten, renew, and sanctify the soul. Not to withdraw Never entertain the thought that you can be Christians and yet withdraw within yourselves. Each one is a part of the great web of humanity, and the nature and quality of your experience will be largely determined by the experiences of those with whom you associate. Jesus says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Matthew 18, verse 20. Then let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhort one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. <clears throat> Complications that do not honor God. While there has been as much fear of excitement and enthusiasm in the service of God, there has been manifest an enthusiasm in another line which to many seems wholly congenial. I refer to the parties of pleasure that have been held among our people. These occasions have taken much of the time and attention of people who profess to be servants of Christ, but have these assemblies tended to the glory of His name. 
Was Jesus invited to preside over them? Gatherings for social intercourse may be made in the highest degree profitable and instructive when those who meet together have the love of God glowing in their hearts, when they meet to exchange thoughts in regard to the Word of God or to consider methods for advancing His work and doing good to their fellow men. When nothing is said or done to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but it is regarded as a welcome guest, then God is honored, and those who meet together will be refreshed and strengthened. Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. God has committed to our hands a most sacred work, and we need to meet together to receive instruction, that we may be fitted to perform this work. We need to understand what part we shall individually be called upon to act in building up the cause of God in the earth, in vindicating God's holy law, and in lifting up the Savior as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We need to meet together and receive the divine touch that we may understand our work in the home. Parents need to understand how they may send forth from the sanctuary of the home their sons and their daughters, so trained and educated that they will be fitted to shine in the world. We need to understand in regard to the division of labor how each part of the work is to be carried forward. Each one should understand the part he is to act that there may be harmony of plan and of labor in the combined work of all. If the children of Israel needed the benefit of these holy convocations in their time, how much more do we need them in these last days of peril and conflict? And if the people of the world then needed the light which God had committed to His church, how much more do they need it now? Second, six, six, six Testimonies, page 40. In the book of Deuteronomy 31, verse 12, Thus saith the Lord, Gather the people together, men and women, and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. I would encourage those who assemble in little companies to worship God. Brethren and sisters, be not disheartened, because you are so few in number. The tree that stands alone upon the plain strikes its roots deeper into the earth, spreads out its branches further on every side and grows stronger and more symmetrical while wrestling singly with the tempest or rejoicing in the sunshine. So the Christian, cut off from earthly dependence, may learn to rely wholly upon God and may gain strength and courage from every conflict. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20 But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. 
Number two, ye shall afflict your souls. Afflict to humble. Every man was required to afflict his soul while this work of atonement was going forward. All business was to be laid aside, and the whole congregation of Israel were to spend the day in solemn humiliation before God with prayer, fasting, and deep searching of heart. The inward work of grace is needed. The outward signs of fasting and prayer, without a broken and contrite spirit, are of no value in God's sight. The inward work of grace is needed. Humiliation of soul is essential. God looks upon this. He will graciously receive those who will humble their hearts before Him. He will hear their petitions and heal their backslidings. Live that we can meet the Savior in peace. Let every professed Christian search his heart diligently and put away from him everything that is unlike Christ. Let him remember that he has been bought with a price, even the blood of the Son of God, and that in thought, word, and deed he is to honor his Redeemer, remembering that he will guard against pride and self-indulgence. Constantly he will endeavor so to live that he can meet the Savior in peace. He will resist every suggestion of the enemy to do that which would grieve the heart of Christ. If he is faithful in this life, he will be ready to welcome the Savior when he comes in the clouds of heaven. With joy he will say, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him, and he will save us. Everyone that did not on the day of atonement afflict his soul was cut off from the people. In this great day of atonement, our work is that of heart-searching, of self-abasement and confession of sin, each humbling his own soul before God and seeking pardon for himself individually. Anciently, everyone that did not on the day of atonement afflict his soul was cut off from the people. God would have us work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. If each will search and see what sins are lurking in his, his own heart to shut out Jesus, he will find such a work to do that he will be ready to esteem others better than himself. He will no longer seek to pluck the mote out of his brother's eye while a beam is in his own eye. In 1844 began the work of the investigative judgment. We are in the great day of atonement, when our sins are, by confession and repentance, to go beforehand to judgment. God does not now accept a tame, spiritless testimony from his ministers. Such a testimony would not be present truth. The message for this time must be meet in due season to feed the church of God. But Satan has been seeking gradually to rob this message of its power, that the people may not be prepared to stand in the day of the Lord. In 1844, 
our great high priest entered the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary to begin the work of the investigative judgment. The cases of the righteous dead have been passing in review before God. When that work shall be completed, judgment is to be, is, is to be pronounced upon the living. How precious, how important are these solemn moments. Each of us has a case pending in the court of heaven. We are individually to be judged according to the deeds done in the body. In the typical service, when the work of atonement was performed by the high priest in the most holy place of the earthly sanctuary, the people were required to afflict their souls before God and confess their sins that they might be atoned for and blotted out. Will any less be required for, of us in this antitypical day of atonement? when Christ in the sanctuary above is pleading in behalf of his people, and the final irrevocable decision is to be pronounced upon every case. First Selected Messages, page 125. What is the position that we as sinners should occupy while the work of atonement is going forward? What is our condition in this fearful and solemn time? Alas, what pride is prevailing in the church, what hypocrisy, what deception, what love of dress, frivolity, and amusement, what desire for the supremacy, all these sins have clouded the mind so that eternal things have not been discerned. Shall we not search the scriptures that we may know where we are in this world's history? Shall we not become intelligent in regard to the work that is being accomplished for us at this time and the position that we as sinners should occupy while this work of atonement is going forward? If we have any regard for our soul's salvation, we must make a decided change. We must seek the Lord with true repentance. We must, with deep contrition of soul, confess our sins that they, that they may be blotted out. We must no longer remain upon the enchanted ground. We are fast approaching the close of our probation. Let every soul inquire, How do I stand before God? We know not how soon our names may be taken into the lips of Christ and our cases be finally decided. What, oh, what will these decisions be? Shall we be counted with the righteous or shall we be numbered with the wicked? First Selected Message 125 We should be found daily humbling ourselves before God. This is the great day of atonement, and our Advocate is standing before the Father, pleading as our intercessor. In place of wrapping about us the garments of self-righteousness, we should be found daily humbling ourselves before God, confessing our own individual sins, seeking the pardon of our transgressions, and cooperating with Christ in the work of preparing our souls to reflect the divine image. Unless we enter the sanctuary above and unite with Christ in working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, we shall be weighed in the balance of the sanctuary and shall be pronounced wanting. Manuscripts 
Number three, offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. First Peter chapter four, verse twelve and thirteen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. The trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities and roughness from our character. Their hewing, squaring, and chiseling, their burnishing and polishing is a painful process. It is hard to be pressed down to the grinding wheel, but the stone is brought forth prepared to fill its place in the heavenly temple. Upon no useless material does the Master bestow such careful, thorough work. Only His precious stones are polished after the similitude of a palace. But when tribulation comes upon us, how many of us are like Jacob? We think it the hand of an enemy. And in the darkness we wrestle blindly until our strength is spent, and we find no comfort or deliverance. To Jacob the divine touch at break of day revealed the one with whom he had been contending. The angel of the covenant, and weeping and helpless, he fell upon his breast of infinite love to receive the blessing for which his soul longed. We also need to learn that trials mean benefit and not to despise the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when we are rebuked of Him. Happy is the man whom God corrected. He maketh sore and bindeth up. He woundeth and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall be no evil touch thee. To every stricken one, Jesus comes with the ministry of healing. The life of bereavement, pain, and suffering may be brightened by precious revealings of his presence. Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. This process is most trying to the soul. A refining purifying process is going on among the people of God. The Lord of hosts has set his hand to this work. This process is most trying to the soul, but it is necessary in order that defilement may be removed. Trials are essential in order that we may be brought close to our Heavenly Father in submission to his will that he may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. 
the Lord brings His children over the same ground again and again, increasing the pressure until perfect humility fills the mind and the character is transformed. Then they are victorious over self and in harmony with Christ and the Spirit of Heaven. The purification of God's people cannot be accomplished without suffering. He passes us from one fire to another, testing our true worth. True grace is willing to be tried, and if we are loath to be searched by the Lord, our condition is one of peril. He often permits the fire of affliction to assail them that that they may become purified. The Lord in His providence brings men where He can test their moral powers and reveal their motives of action that they may improve what is right in themselves and put away that which is wrong. God would have His servants become acquainted with the moral machinery of their own hearts. In order to bring this about, He often permits the fire of affliction to assail them that they may become purified but who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. The purification of the people of God cannot be accomplished without their suffering. God permits the fires of affliction to consume the dross, to separate the worthless from the valuable that the pure metal may shine forth. He passes us from one fire to another, testing our true word. If we cannot bear these trials, what will we do in the time of trouble? If prosperity or adversity discover falseness, pride, or selfishness in our hearts. What shall we do when God tries every man's work as by fire and lays bare the secrets of all hearts? For Testimony 85 The trials of life are God's workmen. It is in mercy that the Lord reveals to men their hidden defects. He would have them critically examine the complicated emotions and motives of their own hearts and detect that which is wrong and modify their dispositions and refine their matters. God would have His servants become acquainted with their own hearts in order to bring them a true knowledge of their condition. He permits the fire of affliction to assail them that they may be purified. The trial the trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities, infirmities, and roughness from our characters and fit them for the society of pure heavenly angels and glory. Then as we pass through trial, as the fire of affliction kindles upon us, shall we not keep our eyes fixed upon the things that are unseen, on the eternal inheritance, the immortal the immortal life, the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory? And while we do this, the fire will not consume us, but only remove the dross, and we shall come forth seven times purified, bearing the impress of the divine. 
we must be partakers with Christ of his sufferings. In this life, we must meet fiery trials and make costly sacrifices, but the peace of Christ is the reward. There has been so little self-denial, so little suffering for Christ's sake, that the cross is almost entirely forgotten. We must be partakers with Christ of his sufferings if we would sit down in triumph with him on his throne. Number four. Ye shall do no work in that same day. The Day of Atonement is a Sabbath, a special day that is set aside to prepare man to be restored to his Maker. Therefore, no earthly work is to be done. We are not to build up the things of this earth, but build on the things of heaven. Matthew six, nineteen to 21 Lay not, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust not corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust not corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Treasures laid upon the earth will engross the mind in the exclusion of heavenly things. The love of money was the ruling passion in the Jewish age. Worldliness usurped the place of God and religion in the soul. So it is now. Avaracious greed for wealth exerts such a fascinating, bewitching influence over the life that it results in perverting the nobility and corrupting the humanity of men until they are drowned in perdition. The service of Satan is full of care, perplexity, and wearing labor, and the treasure men toil to accumulate on earth is only for a season. Luke chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first, that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Luke 6, verse 6 to 10. And it came to pass also on the, another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught and there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up, and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to go to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Christ labored on the Sabbath to help mankind and to show them heavenly things. 
He also fed himself and the disciples shown by plucking corn on the Sabbath. But with the corn he labored only long enough to see to his needs and then return to his work of restoring man to to his father. Can we, knowing that this is a Sabbath, work for any other reason than to take care of our needs and the restoration of men to Jesus? This treasure, which Christ esteems as precious above all, is the riches of his glory, of his tabernacle in the saints. Ephesians 1.18 We are permitted to unite with him in the great work of redemption and to be sharers with him in the riches which he, which his death and suffering have won. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Thessalonians, Christians, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. 1 Thessalonians two nineteen and 20 This is the treasure for which Christ bids us labor. Character is the great harvest of life. And every word or deed that through the grace of Christ shall kindle in one soul an impulse that reaches heavenward. Every effort that tends to the formation of a Christ-like character is laying up treasure in heaven. Where the treasure is, where the treasure is, there the heart will be. In every effort to benefit others, we benefit ourselves. He who gives money or time for spreading the gospel enlists his own interests and prayers for the work and for the souls to be reached through it. His affections go out to others, and he is stimulated to greater devotion to God that he may be enabled to do them the greatest good. MB 90 We shall see souls who have been saved through our agency. And at that final day, when the, when the wealth of earth shall perish, he who has laid up treasure in heaven will behold that which his life has gained. If we have given heed to the words of Christ, then as we gather around that great white throne, we shall see souls who have been saved through our agency and shall know that one has saved others, and these still others, a large company brought into the heaven of rest as a result of our labors, there to lay their crowns at Jesus' feet and praise him through the ceaseless ages of eternity. With what joy will the worker for Christ behold these redeemed ones who share the glory of the Redeemer? How precious will heaven be to those to those who have been faithful in the work of saving souls? MB 90 Character is the great harvest of life. Every word or deed that through the grace of Christ shall kindle in one soul an impulse that reaches heavenward Every effort that tends to the formation of a Christ-like character is laying up treasure in heaven. MB 89 Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3 If ye be then re-risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid 
with Christ in God. Judgment is now passing in the sanctuary above. Solemn are the scenes connected with the closing work of the atonement. Momentous are the interests involved therein. The judgment is now passing in the sanctuary above. For more than 60 years, this work has been in progress. Soon, none know how soon it will pass in the cases of the living. In the awful presence of God, our lives are to come up in review. At this time, above all others, it behooves every soul to heed the Savior's admonition. Watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I shall come upon thee. When the work of the investigative judgment closes, the destiny of all will have been decided for life or death. Probation is ended a short time before the appearing of the Lord in the clouds of heaven. At that time, Christ will declare, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Review and Herald, November the 9th, 1905. We are living in the great day of atonement, and it is now time that every one should repent before God, confess his sins, and by living faith rest upon the merit of a crucified and living Savior. Testimony to Mistress 224. Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a, a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Let us pray. O most kind, beloved Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, that in this our antitypical day of atonement, Lord, that you have given us a message to prepare our hearts, Lord, to search our hearts, to see if there is any iniquity in our hearts. Lord, that you would send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to examine each heart, Lord, to show us our true condition. You said in the book of Revelation that we are wretched, blind, and naked. And Lord, we do not have on the garments of your righteousness. So, Lord, we ask, first of all, confessing that we are sinners, that we are guilty, and because of our sins and our transgressions and iniquity, our case is that we deserve death. But we are thankful and we give glory to God for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you sent your one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to be a living sacrifice, to give himself as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, a spotless lamb without blemish or wrinkle, to, to go to Gethsemane and to suffer all mental anguish and pain and to be bruised and to be hung upon a cross 
in Calvary to die a debt for the lives of all humanity, to give his life as a living sacrifice. And Lord, we are thankful for Jesus. We are thankful for his willingness to die in our place and to be a propitiation for all of our sins, transgressions, and iniquity. Lord, our appeal tonight is that those that would hear the message that you would speak to each heart, that you would cause each person to examine themselves in the Day of Atonement, that we would ask, O Lord, that you would search us, Lord, that you would uh, show us every evil way and every evil thing in our lives that are that is not of thee. Lord, that we may confess, that we may repent, and that we may surrender our lives wholly into your hands. Please, Father, forgive us and cleanse us and purify us, O Lord, in this antitypical of torment. Prepare us, O Lord, even we ask that you would pour out your Spirit and would fill us with your Spirit, Lord. Cleanse us and fill us, O God, and prepare us, O Lord, to stand in these last days and to be your witnesses, to let our light shine and to enter into the great work of medical missionary evangelism. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in the past. What you're doing even now, Lord, and what is your desire is that we would be emptied of all sin, that our vessels would be cleansed and purified, that you may pour out the spirit of the, the early, the latter rain in showers upon your people, O oh Lord. Please, Father, visit us and prepare us, cleanse us and purify us, O oh Lord. Strengthen us and give us victory over every besetment, over every sin, O oh Lord, is our prayer. And we thank you, Lord, for hearing us our petitions. For we ask all of these blessings in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs>